Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. I'm so in love with my brother right now. <laughs> Late to the party with Nikki and Bree. You'll have to excuse me. I'll be drinking a lot. Oh, yeah. You're fun. Now I've got a coffee over here. So, is it Santori? For a relaxing time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nikki Jensen. I'm Brie Picconi. And we're Late, Late to, to the Party, party. a podcast from two best friends mentally still in Tokyo circa 2003. Um, and today we are discussing Lost in Translation, a film written and directed by Sofia Coppola. Um, and we have on a special guest, RJ Molina. Hi. Hey, Thank RJ. Thank you so much for having me. It's so cool to be on the pod. I listen. I'm a listener. Oh, thank you for <laughs> listening to us. <laughs> That's yeah. so sweet because when I think of directors that I've worked with, you always come to mind uh. <laughs> because you were so sweet and you took the time. And that kind of reminds me of Sofia Coppola. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I love Sofia Coppola. I've never met her, obviously, but she has a huge influence on me. Huge influence. When did you first discover her work? Um, gosh, yeah, this is going to, this is going to be really bad. Um, I discovered her, the first movie, actually, no, Lost in Translation was the first movie of hers that I saw. Um, and I really didn't pick up anything before that or even after. Um, the second movie of hers that I saw was The Bling Ring. And then I was like, all right, I owe it to myself to check out her whole filmography. Um, but yeah, Lost in Translation was the first was the first thing. Um, but I didn't see it when it first came out. I was, oh God, I was 12 <laughs> when it first came out. <laughs> I didn't catch it until, uh, until college, actually, which I think is the perfect age. Same. I mean, I know Bree and I were talking. We both did projects in college on Lost in mm-hmm. Translation, and we were like, we did a photo shoot where I was in a pink wig and fake cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> You're great. I love, it. I love it. Yeah, I wrote like I wrote like four or five papers on on this film in college. Um I took a bunch of psychology and sociology classes towards the end. Um or rather at the beginning. Um in my first two years in college and I, I I wrote an entire paper just on the scene where Bob and Charlotte are talking in bed and they're laying down. Like that's how much I love this movie. <laughs> um, it also helps that like I I I was living in New York back in 2010 just for the summer. Um, I was on an, I was doing an internship there and I was 19, so there was only so much I could do. Like I couldn't legally party or you know go out to bars or anything like that um but i found myself wandering around the city a lot um Mm -hmm. much the same way that charlotte does you know it's like and i and i met people the same way that like she met bob and some of the other characters and i just had that i I had that experience but i hadn't seen the movie yet and so when i saw the movie for the first time i was like oh wow like and i had a lot of similar feelings like you know a lot of what she was experiencing, a lot of what Bob was experiencing, like a lot of, of, of not necessarily being lost in translation, but sort of that loneliness. Like New York is, a, you can feel very lonely in that city. 
if you want to, you know, otherwise you you can do whatever you want there. But like, I I related to this movie so much uh, at that time that I ended up writing like, like I said, like four or five papers on it. No, I I think Sofia Coppola does a really great job through Charlotte, especially of articulating how being in your late teens, early 20s, this Mm -hmm. feeling of like, you know, your life is going to begin, but you see other people doing things that they want to do, like Giovanni Ribisi's character as her husband, and you kind of want something, but you don't exactly know what yet, and you can't connect to people, so... Yeah, like she's like, I tried writing and I didn't like that. I tried photography. It was just a phase. She's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And then she listens to yeah. that like thing on tape. It's like, what is your sole purpose? I feel like I've tried to do that too. But I'm like, it never really got me anywhere though, but it's okay. And there's also this like, um, this cynicism that develops as part of it. Like I, I just finished rewatching it <laughs> um, a few minutes ago and I was surprised I've seen the movie so many times and I've written papers on it, but I never really caught sort of the cynicism that she had. Mm. Um, it's, it's really apparent when she's having dinner with Anna Ferris's character and everyone else. And she's just sitting there smoking a cigarette, rolling her eyes and Bob, she looks back at Bob and he's just like, right. <laughs> um, but I never noticed like everything leading up to that scene. Like you said, like she was, uh, listening to the self-help tapes, but she's looking at it and kind of smirking at it or, you know, all these different things. And, yeah i think back to that time and yeah there was that sort of cynicism where it's like i don't know what i'm doing and i i've yet to figure it out and i am seeing everyone do doing all these things but like i'm kind of above it like it's this weird thing yeah. it's this weird feeling you have um and i just never noticed that with her until until now or like the self-awareness of like um i yeah. don't know if it's sophia Coppola said it or it's actually a line of dialogue but talking about mm-hmm. charlotte like, like, why do girls like either become horse girls or start taking pictures of their feet? Like, I know when I was 19, I took a lot of photos of my feet and like of my shoes. And it's just like, it, it's, I was self-aware at the time. I was like, well, this is kind of lame, but it's artsy. Like, there's just yeah. this thing. I still take pictures of my feet. I, th- I still think it's a little artsy in the right situation. I don't know. Hey, if Quentin Tarantino can do it, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what the first shot means, though. Oh, like, just that first, like, the opening where she's, like, laying on the bed and her, like, yeah. see-through granny panties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the granny panties. Like, I'm still I'm still deciphering that after all this time. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Any insight into that? <laughs> well, you know, it's based on, I forget the artist, but it's based based on oh work. wait is it um is it edward hopper maybe it's not edward hopper no. but it's who is it it's someone in that vein though mm-hmm. and um yeah. it's i think she took inspiration from a Bid- bridget bardot film as well mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if you fall down the like feminist uh college paper rabbit hole it's about the male gaze and the lack thereof because it hangs on to that frame too much so i see it okay yeah (laughs) yeah, it could work either way i just it's always it's interesting like i've talked to other people about the film and that shot in particular like it could i've come across people who found it very divisive where it's like you know it's too leery or whatever or it's it's pointless and doesn't mean anything and i'm still like i'm still trying to decipher what it is you know 
um, male gaze, certainly, you know, um, but the panties themselves don't lend itself to yeah. that at all. So <laughs> not even the Nikki gaze. I'm like, those are granny panties. Yeah, <laughs> I'm into I mean, it. It's well lit and it's an interesting way to open the movie. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, something tells me to meet in the middle. Something tells me that Sofia Coppola is a very aesthetic person who loves yeah. just things looking pretty. Yeah. Um, to convey who Charlotte is right away, she's just laying there bored on her bed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the granny panties, you know, she's a young girl still. So like, throw that mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. also basing it off of this this art piece that she really likes. Like, I could just right. see Sofia Coppola vibing to that and, like, being like, that's a shot. Yeah, not not putting too much into it. It's just the shot. And to your point about the aesthetics, there's so many shots in this film that are just, like, they're, it's pure photography. Like, you're just looking at a still of her sitting on the windowsill or even in the bathtub, and she's mm-hmm. looking out into the skyline. But the way it's, it's lit, it's just so beautiful, and it looks... I mean, it was shot on film, but it just looks, it looks like a time capsule of that time, you know, of that era. And like all of the film is, most of the film is aesthetics. And when you do get dialogue in there, sprinkled in there, it's so poignant or it it seems random, but deep down it is poignant, you know, it's so she's very aesthetic. Uh, You know, she's, she's definitely got a vibe going throughout all of her films. For sure. I feel like this film excels so well at like it looks like a memory yes and that's that's so cool how someone can like successfully convey that on screen like because you can't if you're like what's a memory that's so hard Mm -hmm. to articulate but she just like nails it she nails it and it looks so effortless Mm -hmm. you know not to say that there wasn't effort made to make the film i mean this was a crazy film to make like half of it was done guerrilla style which is like they didn't have permits or anything like they just running through the streets of tokyo but like when you see the craft when you see those moments it's like oh you know it's just so well done but it doesn't look like it was that difficult for her like she just knew what she was looking for did she have a shot list or or was it a little more loosey goose so So all the street scenes felt loosey goose like like i said guerrilla style they didn't have permits they couldn't shoot, you know, in the square. They couldn't, you know, they were just running around with a camera and like they would just have to hide it sometimes like under the cameraman's arm, just running through the street. That's why there are a lot of like low angles. Um, I feel like the shots in the hotel though are more crafted. Like she definitely had specific things in mind, like Bob sitting, you know, in that small bed in his bathrobe, you know, Charlotte on the window. So I feel like those were definitely in her head and probably stuff that, uh, moments that she had. Um, experience when she was, I'm sure, there with her husband at the time. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this is based on her her own experiences, obviously. That's so, what I'm uh, thinking. But, Spike yeah. Jones. It's Spike written. Jones, yeah. 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 That Giovanni Rabisi character dresses like Spike Jones, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know them, but like, I mean, he made a movie called Her. I mean, that's. I, I, there's a connection there <laughs> for, sure. for sure did you like her oh i love her yeah um did you you know it's a movie that stuck with me i really mm-hmm. liked it at the time but over mm-hmm. time 
I think about it, which is good, but I am so angry. I'm like, you have Olivia Wilde in front of you, Rooney Mara. You just turn them down? Like, I have to go back and rewatch it. I haven't watched it as, <laughs> as often as, as, as Lost in Shadows. I think I've only seen it like twice. But I have to go back and see if, uh, if I feel differently about it. I mean, Homeboy has all these beautiful women in front of him, and he just is like, no, nah, I'll listen to a voice. I'm good. <laughs> I weird. mean, you know, imi- life imitates art, right? He had Scarlet, or not Scarlet, he had Sofia Coppola, <laughs> and he was just, just went over his head. It's true. <laughs> On the Spike Jones tip, have you seen the behind the scenes of Lost in Translation? Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember them, like, being kind of loose. Like, they weren't sort of official. It was it was very, like, um, it was very B-roll-y. You know, they were just, you know, wandering Tokyo trying to find locations. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember. I think Spike Jones was part of it, right? I, I believe he's a cameraman because she will look to the camera and say, yeah, here's my husband, which is Spike yeah, Jones. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's kind yeah. of shot like jackass a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, just all the worlds yeah, colliding. Like, I wonder what you might have been feeling as she wrote this, or I wonder if there was some sort of understanding between them. You know, if if she, if if Charlotte is meant to be sort of uh, uh, this composite of her, I wonder if Spike picked up on that, or you know, and it was like, well, you know, okay, I hear you and I see you and I understand what you're trying to say, or it just completely went over his head. Just so out to lunch. He's just like, yeah, yeah this is great. Probably went over. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Who's this guy? The husband seems like a dick. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Did you meet Bill Murray in Tokyo and I didn't know about it? Like, we didn't hang out? Like, what's going on? But speaking of Bill Murray, mm-hmm. so even on the um, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. up until was it days before shooting? Maybe a week before? She didn't know. Not if, even. Yeah, she didn't know that Bill Murray was going to show up because he didn't sign a formal contract. He didn't sign a formal contract and infamously does not have an agent. Did, didn't she like call Al Pacino to try to get mm-hmm. like in touch with him? I think I think it was, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just think that's hilarious. Like calling up Al Pacino and then be like, no, I don't want to work with you. I'm looking for Bill Murray. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's Bill Murray. Yeah, <laughs> she, someone's got to find him. I mean, she she grew up with Al Pacino, so she wouldn't be as impressed with Al Pacino. <laughs> How could you, though? <laughs> I know, I know. No, I get it. I, I'm with you. I would have worked with either. Um, but yeah, Bill Murray apparently is hard to get a hold of, and there's like a special number you have to call uh, and leave a voicemail or something. Or no, sorry, not a voicemail, uh, a message, because I think it's a landline. Um, and yeah, he'll pick up if he likes it or he won't. Like it's 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 a crazy thing. So imagine having, you know, you've worked on films, right? So it's like imagine doing all the prep work and then days before you're like, I don't know if we have one of the main stars. <laughs> That'd be so nerve wracking. Well, and this movie yeah. rides on Bill Murray. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He improvised a lot as well, right? Because like mm-hmm. she didn't. I mean, Sofia Coppola is known for not writing a whole lot of dialogue as it is. So, but I feel like especially in this movie, like there's it's weird because it does feel improvised, and yet she won an Oscar for screenwriting. So, mm-hmm. like, there's got to be there's there's a balance here. I feel like I feel like she wrote 
you know, their first meeting, I feel like she wrote the um, interaction in the bedroom when he's talking about life and having kids and, you know, figuring things out. I feel like she wrote that. And if she did, like, I mean, that's why she won because it's so poignant. But yeah, I feel like everything else is like Bill Murray, just having fun with it and improvising and golfing whenever you can. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, like it's obviously improvised in the best way when he's doing the um, whiskey commercial the second time about the Rat Pack. Yes. Yeah. So good, though. That's like what you want out of Bill Murray. Yes. Yes. And the fact that he's like willing to bring it, you know, the fact that he wants to, that you can feel that he wanted to do this, you know, and he's actually putting in the work to, to improvise is, is good. For um, sure. Have you seen On the Rocks? Or Brie, have you seen On the Rocks? I haven't. Actually, I did say I went back and rewatched and watched everything of hers. I have still get to see on the rocks is it good it's good he plays uh-huh. um like a like a what is the word when you're old like an old playboy <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and um rashida jones is his daughter and they go go on this caper to mm-hmm. to see if marlon waynes is cheating it's like super cute <laughs> so did it have that same vibe or was it more energetic or it was more energetic. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like Bill Murray, I think, does his best work here in Lost in Translation. Yeah. And then I'm not a fan of a lot of other Bill Murray in between this time. Like, St. Sure. Vincent, it's it's not my jam. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, On the Rocks is the best he's been in years. So good. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's, well... I should watch that tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, Bill, Bill Murray can be like, I don't want to say hit or miss because I do like Bill Murray, but he's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. Are you a fan of Bill Murray, right. Bree? Yeah. I I mean, I've always loved Bill Murray. I think I first saw him in Ghostbusters, I think. Yeah. And I don't know. I've always, I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Stan. Yeah. Did you grow up with Bill Murray or were you like late to the Bill Murray party? No, yeah, Ghostbusters, uh, Caddyshack obviously wasn't born during the time when those movies came out, but, you know, I was Humble brag. Little. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, my, my family loves those types of movies, so it's like, you, you grew up watching them. Groundhog you know, Day. You Groundhog Day, all those movies, yeah, uh, I love, I love watching them. But, and so I was surprised, like, I kind of tuned out of all that like i was going through the in high school and then early college i was going through like the dark phase like i need to watch like the edgy european films like the dreamers and all that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. not really paying attention to to anything else and then i came across lost in translation and it kind of brought me back and i was like okay all right i need to pay attention more (laughs) to this stuff yeah i mean bill murray what was i gonna say bill murray is is so interesting of a character in general I feel like he's yeah. He's de- he's definitely got some stories. Like there's some like rumors about him and and all this stuff and his work ethic. Um, but I think yeah, he's one of those guys where you know I'm not like worshiping at the altar of Bill Murray, but when I see a good performance, it's like you know I got to give the man credit. Like he's he's good and Scarlett Johansson too. Like she was 
17 when she shot this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize she was that young. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. She's not that she's not that much older. Like we're in the same age. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, she was like 17. Uh, and she's flying out to Tokyo to make this movie with the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola and Bill Murray. And she's holding her own. Like she is just as good as, I mean, I consider Sofia Coppola a character in this as, as well. Like, like uh, as we we're talking about her aesthetic, like she's all throughout this film. So like, Scarlet Scarlet's just as good as her, just as good as Bill Murray. Um, so witty and funny too. Like, I, you know, the little jabs that she throws at him about his age throughout. Like, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. That was funny. Like when um he hooks up with that the like singer at the bar and she's like, Oh well she's more like your age. Like yeah. what you guys can talk about being born in the fifties and the movies you made in the seventies when you're still making them. Yeah. It's like, ooh, burn. I was like I was like, ouch. Ouch. The shade. But the shade. No, yeah, she's like really good. And holding her own. Yeah, she she was really good in that. Um it'd be interesting to see like an interview with the two of them together this year since like a 20 year anniversary i'd be curious to see if like entertainment weekly would do something like that i would love that i i saw the howard stern where she talks about bill murray and filming lost in translation but i'd love yeah. a reunion yeah because what does she say it was like um i mean she was obviously way younger than both of them but yeah. it was kind of like she just saw it as like a job right mm-hmm. like she was just kind of like there doing her thing and that was it like there wasn't a whole lot of interaction with them off camera but yeah i'd be curious to see what it's like now i'm curious too it's it's so interesting on that tip because you know after this or even before with virgin suicide sophia coppola has this working relationship with kirsten dunce mm-hmm. and then you know Elle fanning and then all these other lead actresses of hers she forms a really mm-hmm. strong bond with but not scar yeah. right huh that's yeah, interesting. Uh, I didn't really think is, about it. Is that her? Is that an age thing? Like, you know, she was younger and she was like, well, you know, I only know some, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it But Elle Fanning would have been young, right? Yeah. I guess it's just who you click with. But it, it's just mm-hmm. interesting how Sofia Coppola like, keeps it in the family or in her like Sofia Coppola universe. But Scarlett Johansson is, it's like outside of that a little bit. Yeah. And I guess Emma Watson too to it certain degree yeah i felt like she was a really interesting choice for bling ring (laughs) it's like wait emma watson okay but it works it works and we got that gif (laughs) yeah is it gif gif what do we we think oh what what do you say i can go either way (laughs) (laughs) thanks for your diplomatic answer (laughs) Yeah, were you were you skirting around it by saying GIF? <laughs> like or, or do you say I GIF? say like, GIF and everyone yeah. shames me for it. <laughs> I'm not I don't shame. You. <laughs> you, that's <laughs> a relief. <laughs> but, but what were your when did you all see Lost in Translation? The college. 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 Yeah. yeah. I have like a similar um like, I feel like I had a similar experience to you, RJ. Like, I, like, um, Lost in Translation was my first uh, Sofia Coppola movie I saw. And it was thanks to Nikki. Because she was, like, yeah. obsessed with this movie and Sofia Coppola mm-hmm. and kind of introduced me to her. And, yeah. And then I think I saw The Bling Ring. And then that was... And then recently, um, I've seen her older stuff, like Marie Antoinette. Um, yeah. 
what is the other one? The Virgin Suicides. Yeah, the Virgin Suicides. But Nikki, you've been a fan for a long time, right? Yes. Um, as like a former Tumblr girl, I feel like I was exposed to Sofia Coppola a lot. And obviously, I'd already seen Lost in Translation, but it was just that prime like young girl time where I was like also my major in college was theater and I, you know, took a lot of film classes and I was like, well, Sofia Coppola, I just, just, it seems natural to gravitate towards her. I would say too, like on Tumblr, like I remember that, that opening scene where she's just like laying on the bed. Like that was like, there were so many gifs from Lost in Translation and that was one of them that just floated around in the Tumblr, like the Tumblr sphere and I don't know. I definitely it was, reblogged. It was that and the hallway scene where she rests her head on. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was, not that I was on Tumblr or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course not. Were Tumblr boys a thing or is it just Tumblr girls? No, <laughs> no. It, there were Tumblr boys. There definitely were. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'm a t- I was a Tumblr boy. <laughs> right on. <laughs> well, no, this film was theatrically released limitedly in September mm-hmm. of 2003. Um, and I do remember it coming out because it did have this Oscar buzz right out of the yeah. gate. Mm-hmm. And even as a little kid, I've been obsessed with the Academy Awards. So I already kind of knew. I was like, oh, this is Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. At that yeah. point, the I didn't hear about the Virgin Suicides yet. And, you know, just the 2004 awards season was Return of the King. Right. Heavy. Um, and then like Johnny Depp getting nominated for Pirates of the Caribbean. That was a thing. Right. But then Sofia Coppola gets nominated for Best Director. Best Writer. Yeah. Or Best Screenplay. Like she, she was like, she just came out of nowhere. And yeah, you had all these big movies, Pirates of the Caribbean, Return, you know, Lord of the Rings. Um, but, uh, it's very, it's, it's great that the Academy like recognized small films like this one you know it's just as important i feel um maybe not um visually or cinematically or whatever but like just in the emotions and and the feelings that we get from watching it and why we can relate to it it's it's very um yeah it's very important for sure and i even think it's really interesting how they campaigned and that i didn't i'm not aware of How, 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 how did it go so well, you know, like Miramax is known for the big like campaigns and like the Weinstein of it all and getting all this money. Like a uh, Shakespeare mm-hmm. in Love, they spent so much money yeah. to, money on campaigning. Mm-hmm. And this isn't Miramax's focus and this is different. Yeah. But yeah. their um strategy was to make it an indie, like market it as an indie mm-hmm. and word of mouth and just get yeah. that buzz. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure being a Nepo baby and Francis Ford Coppola's daughter didn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but it was all buzz. And it was like a distinct, like it was, it was, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. But it was like, we're going to make this look like an indie film, which it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And we're going to push it as this indie. Yeah. So. I mean, even the soundtrack's pretty indie, right? Yeah, a lot of air. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that soundtrack is amazing. I, I mean, it's been a few. It's only been a few years since I've watched it uh, or I've seen it because I showed it to my fiance during COVID. <laughs> Thankfully, she liked it. But um, 
but the uh the soundtrack like it it always somehow catches me off guard or surprises me just how good it is like it still holds up holds up so well like it doesn't feel um doesn't feel like it's trying too hard mm-hmm. i'm gonna rag on indie films for a little bit now if you don't mind but there's, yeah. so many, <laughs> yeah. but there's some there's some indie films from the early aughts that obviously uh you know we grew up with or we watched at the right time so they stick with us and we love them but you go back and watch them and you're like soundtrack feels a little too forced or like mm-hmm. the the writing feels a little too forced this is one of those rare films where everything just gels so perfectly mm-hmm. as i said it's not tr- it feels effortless you know and that everything about it is so um timeless like it doesn't get old like yeah there's so much air uh but like air's air's good like you're never gonna sit there and go that's a bad song by air like no. you, you know like <laughs> Um, and so another, an example, I guess, I'm sorry, this is going to be bad, but an example recently, um, of a film that I rewatched from that time was Garden State. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. And like, there are a few songs that are obviously very good, but the soundtrack as a whole, I'm like, this feels like it's trying too hard. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so weird. Like, and I didn't feel that when I first saw it, I was, you know, I first saw the movie and I'm like. Oh my God. Yeah. So smoking a cigarette, like, I get this. This is totally me. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But now looking back and I'm like, gosh, why does this feel like it's trying so hard? It's you know? so and, crazy how the indie films of 2004 that were like big breakouts mm-hmm. were what? Garden State and Napoleon Dynamite? And Napoleon yeah. Dynamite holds up over Garden State? It's crazy. I haven't, I haven't seen napoleon dynamite since then it uh, holds no. up I, that's, that's crazy <laughs> it oddly holds up but garden state doesn't for you anymore not really i you know yeah. to your point i think and this is no shade to zach braff right right but he's not a tastemaker in the way sofia coppola is Mm-hmm. So Sofia Coppola is so involved in her soundtracks, especially, and you know she knows Air, and she knows mm-hmm. personally Phoenix, obviously because she yeah. married the lead singer. But right. she just loves music and like, in fashion and that stuff. She just has good taste, so of course she's going to be like, let's choose Alone in Tokyo or Too Young by Phoenix and plop that in. Yeah, let's exactly. Get Kevin Shields in here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not like Zach Braff being like, I feel like I can just see his gears turning a little more. Like he, he listens to something on the radio and is like, I got to put, put that in a, in a scene or something. Whereas like, it feels like Sofia Coppola was actually sitting with this stuff for years and mm-hmm. going, you know, it's not about the song itself. It's just this feeling that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are moments in the film. Oh gosh, what's that scene? Um, I think it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm sorry for the delay here. Um, I think it might be Death in Vegas or it might be a Kevin Shields track, but there's this abrupt cut once we hit a new location. And it's just like, it goes to show like that cut specifically for me just goes to show that she doesn't care so much about the song, but rather the feeling that we were getting in the previous scene, but mm-hmm. we have to move on. Like there's no more time for it. Like we have to move on to the next thing. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That explains a lot. Yeah, something like that. But that's just, that's an interpretation. I don't know if that was your actual thinking behind it. But like, with Zach Braff, what you're getting is a music video. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Have you seen, um, oh, uh, gosh, what is it now? That, um, when it's that Julia Roberts film that we saw, what is it? Eat, Pray, Eat, Pray Love. Love. Yeah, there's a scene in that movie where the it just like the music goes on way too long and it, it is kind of like a music video, but it takes you out of the movie a bit. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, why is this yeah. here? Why are we lingering for so long? This isn't purposeful mm-hmm. at a certain point. So it's just cool. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the only song that still holds up for Garden State is uh Fru Fru's um uh let go at the at the tail end. Perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> that song reminds me of the holiday though. So I know, yeah, the holiday took it. I love the holiday, but yes. I'm glad you guys did an episode on that. <laughs> I'm glad that they took that song and changed it in my mind from the Garden State to the holiday song. The holiday, yeah. It worked so much better. Jude Law just walking through that bar or that pub. Mm-hmm. And then Cameron Diaz just pokes her head out. And she's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Love that movie. Same. Um, so good. I haven't seen Garden State in a hot second, but I do love The Shins. So Yeah, I love The Shins too. Yeah, it sounds like I was like bashing. That. No, mean, no, no, no. But it's like this feeling. I don't know if it's like me getting older with it and like looking back on it and going, this feels like the indie film that like high schoolers and college kids want to, you know, it's like the Pulp Fiction sort of thing where it's like I had the Pulp Fiction poster because I'm a college student and all this type of stuff. But like, and I did, so I'm making fun <laughs> of myself. Um, but yeah, like growing up now, I'm going, like, I get what you're saying. And yeah, those are all valid things, but it does feel kind of outdated in a weird way, you know? Whereas, like, Lost in Translation, as I said, just feels timeless all the way through. I agree. I mean, for me, like, it was 500 Days of Summer, the indie film mm. of my generation. I, You know, I don't know for you, Brie. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that soundtrack is also very... It, it is antiquated to look like an indie soundtrack in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because that film is directed by a music video director. Mm-hmm. Oh. But it doesn't overstay. Mm-mm. like nothing overstays its welcome everything is there and i feel like it's done very precisely and it works god i'm gonna wa- rewatch that now <laughs> i've never seen 500 days of summer really? yeah i feel i have so many movies that i just like how are you friends with nikki and you haven't seen that yet <laughs> i don't know nick how <laughs> i know i feel like that movie defined who i was for like a good chunk of my life like five At years four years yeah <laughs> how many times did you see it in theaters oh none but I did buy it on iTunes. Okay. For like fifteen bucks. So well, you know. For like fifteen bucks. <laughs> I saw it like I saw it at the AFI when it first came out and I had no idea what it was. Didn't see a preview for it. I oddly enough, my sister took me to see it. I don't think either of us knew what it was going into it and we were both locked out of it going, That was really good. It's like, yeah, it was. Um and it's not a romantic movie by any means. So it's like, you know, it, it didn't feel weird watching it but then i did take like a few people to see it like i, I wouldn't call them dates they were kind of dates and then like i'd sit there going i feel like i'm not i feel like i'm misinterpreting it might <laughs> like, kill it a vibe might, it, it might kill a vibe and i was doing what tom was doing in that movie misinterpreting like the vibe that i was thinking the movie had i don't know it was it's such a good movie it's so um misunderstood i feel like nowadays i feel like that too I, I'm glad that Lost in Translation yet, knock on wood, hasn't gotten the 500 Days of Summer treatment. Exactly. exactly. Or yeah. even the Garden State treatment to some degree. Yeah. 
but but kind of to talk back to the 2004 award season a little bit just because when mm-hmm. this comes out this is going to be our academy awards month nice so yeah. so naturally we had to talk about sofia coppola because sure. she was the third woman ever to be nominated for best director wow and then who else was there Catherine bigelow yeah for hurt locker and then who was the first or the other who was the first something says jane campion but let's see the piano i think so yeah that makes sense she's really good she's an interesting filmmaker if you haven't seen her work yet oh no it was Catherine bigelow for the hurt locker Ooh, she was the first Oh, to win yeah yeah that makes sense yeah uh and that's really that's really unfortunate that it's just those three right like there's so many films that have come out that that like warrant that that kind of uh recognition um trying to think what was the film that i saw this was like back in 2018 yeah uh fast color you ever Mm -hmm. seen that Mm -mm. uh directed by julia hart it's it's a superhero film, but it's not like a Marvel or DC. It's not based on anything. It's its own thing. But that's a film. That was one of my favorites of 2018. And it's one of those films where it's like, how is Julia Hart not recognized? How was the main actress, you know, not recognized? Like, it's, I feel like a lot of indie films go really so far under the radar nowadays, mm-hmm. or they're like relegated to streaming services that like, you don't I, you don't hear about them or they're just you know yeah. they don't get the recognition or i've always been surprised like lorraine scafaria has never been nominated like even for hustlers like that never happened right i love that movie that yeah so like, good. What, the, what the heck happened there because that's a director's film like it i know like j-lo gets the attention but but so much right. thought there's so much thought into that film like on the surface it's very and I, I love seeing that movie in theaters because it was a lot of dudes who were sitting there going, all right, let's go. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's do this. And then it's the Magic Mike effect where it's like, it's a little deeper than you think, you know. There's, Wait, Magic there's Mike is deep? Here. That's what I've heard. <laughs> it can be. It can be. <laughs> Have you all not seen it? No. What? <laughs> do you recommend? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Steven Soderbergh. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> that's true. I feel like that's one of those marketing things where I didn't realize it was Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. It's Soderbergh oh. through and through. Like, it has his flourishes. It has his touch to it. It is, you know, it has the colors and all that. Um, and yes, there's there's the stripping. There's the dancing. There's Channing Tatum's ads. There's all that stuff. But it's it's a little bit more than that. It's more than that. Oh. Wow. Well, if I knew that, I may have watched it. Like, I feel like the marketing did the opposite for me. I'm like, I don't need to see this. Like, no offense. It's, it's kind of the hustlers thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, yeah, you, you watch the previews for it or you see J-Lo and you're like, I'm down. Oh, yeah. And then J-Lo's you go and there. Watch it. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is heavy. Like, this can this can get a little heavy. Hmm. Uh yeah, I, I recommend. I recommend it for sure. That's based on, like, Channing Tatum was a dancer, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was his real life. Oh, pr- practically, right? Wow. Yeah. And now, don't get me wrong, like, the second film in particular, it's got some scenes, 
So okay. if you're looking for those scenes, they're there. But <laughs> but it's still heavy. Like it still has its thing. Um, oh, uh, nice. It's still trying to tell its, its story. But I I wanted to see Hustlers because of um, Constance Wu. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. she was coming off Crazy Rich Asians, and I was like, this girl's awesome. Like. You know, I hadn't seen Fresh Off the Boat. I think that was the show she was on. She's I really good. liked that um, show. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, Crazy Rich Asians was the first thing that I, that I saw her in. So I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta support, you know, I don't care what it is. I gotta support. So, and then I was surprised and I was laughing as dudes were walking out of the theater going like, that's not what I paid for. <laughs> it's like, no. You're an idiot. You still paid for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you might as well just sit through it. Get, you know, watch the movie. <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. Well, gosh, I don't know how to transition, but I might as well ask. There's kind mm-hmm. of an elephant in the room talking about Lost okay. in Translation. Oh. You know, speaking of crazy rich Asians, the way they depict Japanese people in this film. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not great. <laughs> you know, I okay. The first time I watched this film, I picked up on it so much more than I do now yeah. because I feel like I can be like, well, it's from a Westerner's perspective. Yeah, it's not over the top in any ways. Because believe me, I've seen a lot of early two thousands movies that are like over the top. But how do you feel yeah. about that? You know. I'm not mistaken this was a this is an American slash Japanese film like I think it's a Mm -hmm. co-production like she you know Coppola definitely had a Japanese crew involved I mean you have to obviously Um, 2002 was a different time Um, but I feel like there was an understanding between the crews. You know, I feel like everyone got an idea of what the film was. As you said, it's from a Westerner's perspective. The characters are literally, I mean, the, the, the title of the movie is Lost in Translation. Right. You know, there is a scene where Bob just doesn't know what the uh, escort is saying. <laughs> He'll lift them like... Um, that's like one of my favorite yeah. scenes, though. That lady cracks me up. It's such, good, it's such a good scene. And I think the ultimate test, like, I'm the wrong person to ask about this because, you know, I was younger when I saw it and I had, it left a certain impression on me. Um, and so I get, yeah, my fiance, perfect example, hadn't seen the film. We're in our 30s watching it. I was. And I guess to a certain degree, I was cognizant of it. Like, I did sit there and I was like, okay, this could be the make or break. Like, she could either be really into this or she might point out something that I have been too lazy to think about, you know? And we get to that scene and she's laughing. And she's laughing at the, during the photography session too. Um, so I'm sitting there going, okay. And I think it helps that, um, I think if you didn't have that scene where he's shooting the commercial, mm-hmm. where, you know, the director is speaking to him only in Japanese and the translator is giving him brief snippets of what he's saying. I think if you didn't have that scene and if you did more jokes, more R for L jokes, yeah. um, I think it would have been problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you have that scene with the director speaking in Japanese, I think it sets up 
everything else where everyone tries, like all the Japanese people that interact with them try to communicate with them in English. But again, it, there's, there's lost in translation. They're, they're <laughs> lost in translation. Um, but I think that's a good test to see, like watch it with someone who's younger. Like if you've got a niece or a younger brother or something or a nephew or whatever. And if they're in their early 20s, show the movie to them now. And if they're sitting there going, that's messed up, then yeah, maybe, you know, it is. Um, it's not a Christmas story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't bring um, out the duck ever in this movie. Right. Right. Um, but still, like, that's a good sort of barometer for people who haven't seen it yet. You know, watch it with someone who hasn't seen it yet. Um, either at our age or younger and see if they react a certain way about it. Um, yeah. That's a good question, though. I, I don't know. What are you, what are your takes on it? I mean. <laughs> Yeah, what do you have any takes? Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like like I see what they're trying to do, like with that scene like where he's like being directed by the man speaking Japanese and it's kind of like over the top and like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's maybe I mean, it's obviously from a western perspective. I don't know. I don't know if the intention is to make fun of like how there's like the discrepancy of you know, like when you see movies maybe dubbed in Japanese, how they like, I don't know, it's just a different language. So it's going to sound different. But, you know, in English, it might be just a couple words. So I don't know if they're like exaggerating that or if mm-hmm. it's like, um, I think it's a joke, right? I think it's supposed to be a joke. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a joke. And it's also, um, but I is think it a it good plays one? Into, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, whatever, you know, whatever your tastes are, right? I think it's. I think it also just adds to the cynicism that both Bob and Charlotte have. Like everyone is so into Japan. Like you have Giovanni's character going mushy mushy. Yeah. You know, you have Anna Ferris like talking about reincarnation. And karate. You have are karate, as she says. Like you have so many people like faking it throughout the movie. So many Westerners faking it throughout the movie that you have these two people who are so cynical <laughs> in a way where they're just like, I genuinely don't understand what you're saying. It sounds like you're saying live me or yeah. like, I don't know. It's like so deadpan, know? his character. It's like, yeah, I feel like he doesn't try though. Like, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know I, if I, I would have known what she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, obviously I know obviously rip rip those things. Or something I don't know, but it's hard for for me because like I have the same pretty much the same ethnic background as Sofia Coppola, so I know I'm coming from like a different perspective. Like if I was Asian, maybe I'd mm-hmm. feel differently, or maybe not. But I I don't see any malice, but I don't. But but you know I. I'm kind of cool with it being like, like you said, that there's the certain Westerners that are really into the karate mm-hmm. and, you know, into the culture almost in a gross way. Yeah. And then there's just these two cynical people who, like, I think. They're trying. Yeah. They're trying. But Bob, I think, is past that point. Yeah, anyways. I don't think he's trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like. Well, he- I'm I'm half Asian. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't see any problem. Like, I'm part Filipino, and, you know, I could do an impression for you, right, of accents, like, you know, and, and movies have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I've i yet to come across something that's really a, 
offended me in that way. Again, if the whole movie was like that, yeah, you know, and there wasn't, um, there wasn't a balance of like having people who are really into the culture versus people who are trying to understand the culture. If there wasn't that balance, then yeah, I think I'd be offended by it. But like I said, like she was working with Japanese uh, crew members on this who, you know, mm-hmm. had to read and approve and want to work on the script. So yeah, I don't think there was any malice. No. I, I, and- I haven't heard anything about it. Like I haven't heard any negative uh, discourse about this. Oh, Which is, I mean, that's good. my ignorance, I guess. <laughs> no, perfect. That's a place I would love to live because it's just in recent years, that's the only thing people want to talk about, it seems, on my end of the internet. Like, their mm-hmm. think pieces on is this offensive? Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the only discourse I've come across is, is sort of the, um, I guess, I don't want to call it weariness, but like the... The opening shot, like, mm. you know, I've had friends who have seen it for the first time and they're mid to late 20s and they're going, oh, that's sexist or whatever. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if she was wearing a thong, I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a <laughs> like, thong. I don't know. <laughs> but again, I mean, that's their opinion. So yeah, it's yeah. true. And like film Twitter is a different beast in general. <laughs> I feel like they're yeah. they're either going to play the race side of it or they're gonna play the gender it's just not to sound like like a joe rogan but they're always gonna play something there, there's, there's something i think you'll find better i think you'll find fun discourse on letterboxd if you're not already on there i love letterboxd <laughs> yeah we love letterboxd yeah i think that's a good medium between everything <laughs> for sure at least you'll get some good puns instead of reviews oh my god yes <laughs> Yeah, I'm not crafty enough for for those. <laughs> Same. I'll have a but. slightly good one, and then I'll read it back a day later. Like oh, that didn't hit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think the most latest one I wrote was for the menu. If you haven't seen that, go that's watch so it. good. Oh man, it's so good. But I wrote in my review, I was like, "This was an awesome cheeseburger." It's not really anything. It's just a reference, <laughs> you know. So that's how lame I am when it comes to <laughs> writing on Letterboxd. <laughs> That's fun, though. I want to find you on Letterboxd. That's, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I should go back and see what they're saying about Lost in Translation, though. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I haven't looked that up. Yeah. But I guess I guess a review, a Letterboxd review would be like, the way they handle the Japanese gets lost in translation. <laughs> <laughs> that's film Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> but... Actually, yeah. I, can we... Can we discuss kind of where the film goes with these two characters mm-hmm. yes um you know my sort of interpretation of the whole movie is that um you know it captures kind of this moment in time where two people who didn't know they needed each other found each other mm-hmm. and it's not like an over sexualized thing it's mm-hmm. not and you know it's very innocent um uh it leaves you like feeling so satisfied to to find this type of relationship um and you you throw yourself at it like you kind of go through like this this uh this flow this ebb and flow with it but then it's over before you know it and you kind of leave it as that like you don't try to pursue it any further you just kind of let it be and let it be you know this this moment in time i don't know if that was your interpretation of yeah. it, but i mean i 100 percent, and i feel like this movie it hinges on 
all the glances that they make, all the words that they didn't say, mm-hmm. all the, you know, just tension and the silence and um, and just how it is. That, yeah, like I'm just thinking of that moment where they come back from karaoke mm-hmm. and he tucks her into bed. And there's this moment where right before he turns off the light, he's kind of staring at her. And it's it's as if he wants to be like, mm-hmm. is this going to, like, what are we doing? And she's just like, night. <laughs> and he doesn't do anything. Like, he doesn't do anything weird or, he, you know, he's just like, okay. Turns off the light, checks on her one last time, and then leaves the room. Like, I don't know. It's so innocent, you know. I love And the... it could have gone yeah. so many ways. Yeah. Okay, no, you're fine. I love the relationship ambiguity because at times he mm-hmm. seems like a mentor, almost a father figure, sometimes like yeah. a friend. Well, most times a friend, mm-hmm. sometimes like mm-hmm. a potential lover. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like you meet those people, or at least for me, I met so many people along the way where it's just like a moment mm-hmm. in time where you have this connection yeah. and you're like a little puzzle piece in their life. They're a puzzle piece in yours, but you end up going your separate yeah. ways. And it's not a, you know, often those times don't end on a bad note. It's just like, like you said, it's a puzzle piece. Yeah. 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 It's like, I know we were talking about before, like the discord, like the film Twitter of it all. But this is Mm -hmm. a movie that really is like, it's all ambiguous. It's all Mm -hmm. subtle. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's something you can't define and you can't put in a little box it just is life right right and god speaking of ambiguity just like going back to that scene where they're talking about life and you know while they're lying in bed that was that was like a three-page paper that i wrote in college because there's so many things happening you know so much body language happening between the two of them but again because it's it's done so well because it's crafted so well. It never leans into sort of what we're expected to. It never goes HBO, you know, yeah. like it yeah. never. I'm glad. Be- <laughs> right. You know, it doesn't do anything beyond just like providing every little bit of what you just described about the relationship. It has that, that mentor aspect to it, it has that friend aspect to it. And it even has that potential lover aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the fact that she's, laying and and, you know turned and facing him for almost the entire scene and he's like trying not to like he's just Mm -hmm. on his back the entire time and like just at first he's just being stiff and kind of awkward about it because you know she's in bed with him and but then he starts talking about life and he starts to loosen up a little bit more um turns to her a little bit more uh and then by the end of the scene the only sort of physical contact they have is that he just grabs her ankle her foot mm-hmm. um it's just really beautiful like it's just like i don't know i strive to make stuff like that <laughs> you know, yeah are, those are oh yeah. sorry who are your influences by the way sophia coppola <laughs> um uh yeah like no surprise there um sophia coppola is a huge one um Danny Boyle's another, um, who else? Danny Boyle's obviously a huge 180 to Sofia Coppola. Um, but there's another, uh, David McKenzie 
is another. He's a British filmmaker. Um, and if you haven't seen, I guess the most recent thing he would have done that you might have seen is either The King, or not The King, sorry, um, Outlaw King with Chris Pine or Hell or High Water with Chris Pine. I've heard of that one, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's good. Um, but his first, I think it was his first film, Perfect Sense. Oh my gosh, like that movie is heartbreaking. Like if you if you need a good one, like it's with Eva Green and Ewan McGregor. Ooh. Um but yeah, he David McKenzie's an influence not just because of how um how he can move genres. Like you don't feel like you're watching a David McKenzie film, it's just you know, like as opposed to a Danny Boyle film where you're like, This is obviously yeah. Danny Boyle. Even Sofia Coppola has a style, you know, has a mm-hmm. certain style to her. Well, I can um, see the similarities between Danny Boyle and Sofia Coppola, oddly. Really? Because really? Oh, I guess so, yeah. Because Danny Boyle ha- has so much, he puts a lot of thought into his works. So mm-hmm. does Sofia Coppola. Just, they're completely, it's completely theirs and they're very invested in it. In a way it's that's theirs. different. Yeah, it's theirs, and it also just, and there's a lot of craft involved, right? But it's one of those things where when you watch what they do, it feels effortless. Mm-hmm. As a, as a, you know, like, none of it feels forced when I'm watching a Danny Boyle film, like the high angles or anything like that. And then he even does go kind of loosey-goosey the way um, Sofia Coppola does. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's just, you know, turned up to 11, you know, with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it sure oh what did you all what do you all think uh bob said to charlotte you know i don't know all i know is this time i tried to listen and i think i heard something that said like maybe i'll miss you but i couldn't make out anything else that he said so yeah i I don't know i heard no one will ever believe you is the possible (laughs) but i don't think it's that what do you think i again listening for it this time um you can kind of make out towards the tail end him saying uh he's like just just tell him everything and you know everything will be all right sort of thing yeah like marriage wise or something you think he's giving her her advice maybe yeah because i was thinking maybe he's like just giving her you know like well there's a certain point like in that scene where they're both laying in bed and just kind of talking um he mm-hmm. tells her you know like i'm not worried about you keep writing like things like that so i'm assuming it's something positive to keep her yes. head up maybe because it kind of mm-hmm. leaves on a positive like it's sad that they had to say goodbye but she kind of bops down the streets in a way you know like her head's a little higher i think I yeah yeah i i think um yeah he was saying uh, just tell him how you feel and and do what you need to do because she's clearly unhappy and wants to kind of move on but she doesn't yet know that she can or should or whatever you know the case may be mm-hmm. i mean i've also heard things where people say you know tell him tell him everything and we'll meet back here in a couple of years oh. i don't know you know <laughs> yeah yeah I hope there's no lost in translation too. That'd be the worst. No, 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 no. No, that'd be so weird. (laughs) No, like I said, this is timeless. You don't need a no, no. I, you know, I never thought about. 
Like, I've always thought about the ending, but I've always loved mm-hmm. so much the choice to to not know what they say. I, like, think that's beautiful, and I'm like, yeah, I really don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now talking about it with you guys, I never thought about Charlotte and her husband, like, their future before. Like, I've been invested in Charlotte's future, but yeah, she needs to divorce this fool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad guy. They're just on two completely different, you know, fields. Like, mm-hmm. they're just not compatible. Like, there's no chemistry between them. There really isn't. She, she wants there to be. She's trying at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's too busy with his career goals, and she's trying to figure herself out. Like, yeah, why stay? <laughs> I don't know. True. I like though, like uh, Charlotte. I I noticed especially this time. She'll look at herself in the mirror and play with her hair, play with her scarf or put on her lipstick. And she's it's like without any dialogue, it's she's trying to find out who she is as a person and she's trying on different things. She's kind of trying on Giovanni Ribisi's character too, trying on Japan, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that even not to get too like this. What does it mean? But like the pink wig. Yeah. When she tries on the wig and at the karaoke scene. Thinking, yeah. She gets sure. all confident. She's just trying on different things, different lifestyles. Well, and it also helps being around people who give you that confidence, right? Like Bob definitely gave her that confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, that scene after or before the karaoke where they're just at their apartment or at uh, Charlie Brown's apartment just taking pictures. <laughs> like that's Brown. a side that you don't, you haven't seen of her you know before then like she's so confident like she's posing she's dancing like she just seems free mm-hmm. especially when she's with bob yeah I don't know. and he and same thing goes for him like he's experiencing things that he hasn't felt in years or whatever you know like uh this freedom and this fun that he's having and, and like the scene right after the morning after when he calls his wife and he's like oh it was so much fun i met these guys Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he hangs up the phone. He's like, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I had to tell her all that. Like, yeah, they just bring out the best in each other. And I think, or at least the curiosity yeah. that they both have. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I even love the scene when they're in the hotel room and Bob tries on the like orange camo shirt. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and then instead of just changing into a different shirt, he just flips it inside out. <laughs> That was really funny. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I was afraid of that. <laughs> like, he's trying too hard, you know? Like, yeah. But Charlotte doesn't, you know, she, she makes the joke like, oh, you really are having a midlife crisis. But she's not like, please go and change that. Like, no. please yeah. get the heck out of here. Like, she's she's understanding. She's open to it. And that kind of gives him a boost to just be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to put this inside out. It's fine. The color's fine. The pattern's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, like, she's having a quarter life crisis as much as he's having a midlife one. Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. I love that they could just both be like, oh, yeah, we are very lost right now. We don't have, we need connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just what it is. Great. You are having a midlife crisis and going to buy a Porsche. I love this. <laughs> yeah. I, and you're right like she she is having a quarter life crisis like i don't know why i didn't think to like frame it that way but yeah she is yeah real can we talk about the karaoke scene because that's my personal favorite i love that scene. i, <laughs> I love, love that, that whole scene. sequence i i just like that's so much fun like you 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 know you ever have those nights with friends like you know mm-hmm. you just 
you're just getting lost. You have no idea what's really happening. Just you're you're drinking at a bar one minute and then you're off running to some other place and you're just killing time. You're at someone else's place, just hanging out, taking pictures or whatever, or whatever, you know. And then, yeah, you end up doing karaoke and it's like, it's a vibe. Like, it's such a fun vibe. <laughs> like, everyone I, sort of had that experience. For sure. And yeah. I... I love, and it almost makes me like get a little verklempt in in a weird way when she's singing Brass and Pocket Mm -hmm. and she's like feeling herself and this is like one of the first times she feels free and fun and her age, which is young. And she looks over at Bob and like when she's like, I'm special and he's like, special. (laughs) And in that moment, she, she doesn't feel special to anyone, her friend she calls on the phone doesn't want to hear her problems. Oh, yeah, that was messed up. Her friend was yeah. like, oh, I gotta go. Or like, I'll talk to you later. I hope you're having fun. And she doesn't hear anything that she's saying. She's like, yeah, I'm struggling right now. She's like, oh, that's great. Gotta go. But to Bob, especially in that moment, she's special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. perfect song, perfect everything. Well, and then think about just a few moments after that, you know, when he's singing his song uh-huh. and he looks over at her and she's just like, she's lost in him like she's just like this is my this is my buddy like this is what i needed this whole time like i just needed a friend to get me through this and it's like this feels so so right you know well, and, and now every time i hear that song i think of bill murray in lost <laughs> yeah. in translation so <laughs> <laughs> all right i have a question could this movie be made and be released the way it was today you know, I was thinking about mm. that because there's there's some things where I thought like in this movie that kind of do put a timestamp in a way like and I have questions like why do we see like in Bob's room he has like a fax machine like mm. that's a little odd you know what I mean and I mean obviously they have flip phones and stuff so iPhones weren't a thing but like a fax machine like that wouldn't happen today. Well like you're a little older than us was that a thing? yeah they're totally but like <laughs> in a hotel like yeah, when you're like across the way like would you get one well if you're if you're across the pond and you need to reach someone yeah that was probably the easiest way yeah huh. that blows my mind i don't know why <laughs> i'm not that much older than I you know. yeah. <laughs> i just yeah, can't I mean, remember it i mean the only other way to really talk to people overseas was to buy a a, a card like mm. a uh, yeah like a like a oh god the name is escaping me and it's bad that it's escaping me someone's gonna listen to this and i know who's older than me they're gonna be like it's called this um you idiot but it's called a, i think it was like a phone card uh, yeah phone card or something you would have to pay to get like a certain amount of time to call someone overseas oh yeah i remember to, like, those dial- yeah so it's either that or a fax yeah huh. <laughs> that's sad i kind of want a fax faxing is fun yeah. <laughs> that sounds so romantic. <laughs> <is> fun. <laughs> I don't we're, know. We're actually um speaking of old technology, like for my wedding we're we're gonna have a uh this old sort of no, not a rotary phone, but we're gonna have like an old like early two thousands phone that you can pick up and leave a voicemail or you oh, know, a message so cool. on. You know, during the wedding. So it's like but it looks like oh god. They look like those uh, what is it? What are they called? Like they were like this long. They were clear. Oh, oh the clear ones. Yes. Oh, those yeah. are cool. You can see all the wires yeah. and stuff. Yeah, the 
there was an article and that why I read not? that compared no. <laughs> um, but there was an article that I read that kind of compared him to Leo DiCaprio at that time, like in the nineties, early two thousands. Mm. But the difference being like they're both great actors, they've both been in great films, like amazingly, mm-hmm. you know, despite his short career, but despite their short careers respectively at that time, you know, Leo was only in for like ten years, right? But Leo's films were huge box office successes, whereas Chalamet's are largely miss, you know, a few yeah. hits here and there, but they're largely missed. And it's like, that's what, that's what got me thinking about Lost in Translation. It's like, mm-hmm. would this have been, you know, as commercially successful, you know, cause I think it did really well. Um, let me, let me see real quick. Sorry. I'm on my, <laughs> I'm on my thing here. So yeah, $4 million budget. And then it made a hundred, mm. almost $120 million in box office. Which is crazy because that's word of mouth. That's word of mouth. And yes, it's, it could be Nepo yeah. Baby stuff as well. But like, I don't that's see still crazy. this movie making it. Yeah, it's still, it's still crazy. And I don't see that happening now. You know what I mean? I mean, no shade at all. But Lily Rose Depp in um, Eggers Nosferatu coming out is not going to do these numbers. Right. It, that's just the way it is right now. Right. And so um, it becomes this thing where, gosh, see, I'm ranting now. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it becomes this thing where I feel like you have, when, if you're going to do this type of movie, it has to have a certain hook to it. Um, going back to Zach Braff, right? He makes Garden State. And at that time, we understood it. Like, we got it. Like, all that kind of stuff. You look at his next film after that, or I don't know if it was his next one, but like, a film that he did after that was called I Wish I Was Here. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a similar story of a of a guy who's having a midlife crisis, but there's a sci-fi hook to it. You know, there's this imagination sequence, or I don't know how you would describe yeah. it. There's that whole sequence where there's CGI, there's robots, there's him in a spacesuit. Like, I feel like a lot of movies that are trying to do this type of stuff now need that hook, that weird thing uh, mm. about it and that movie's almost 10 years old now you know so it's crazy he was, he was he was like thinking ahead being like well no one's gonna watch this and that's like garden state anymore i have to add something to it i do see the greta gerwig similarities so yeah because lady bird doesn't have a hook Mm-mm. right lady bird doesn't is that based on anything or no um it's semi-based on her life okay but but then even, I mean, unfortunately, as excited as I am for Barbie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that's still a big movie. And she got Little Women right after that, which is kind of similar to Sofia Coppola with Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. But Sofia Coppola is such an auteur that like, mm-hmm. I just hope that doesn't leave Greta Gerwig in this pursuit to be, a, you know, a notable director Bigger. right now. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see Sofia Coppola doing anything like this, like Barbie, right? Like yeah. you see her kind of sticking to her what she she can do and do well, right? Not having to compromise, you know. But was On the Rocks released theatrically or was it strictly Apple? I think it was strictly Apple. Hmm. See, there you go, right? Like it's one of those things where you you and was it something that you would have liked to have seen in theaters? It would have been a fun romp. I- I would have liked yeah. to see it in theaters. I don't think it would have performed well because people don't seem right. to vibe with that right now. But I would right. have loved to see it. And there wasn't like a crazy hook to it, right? It's a it's a father daughter bonding story, right? Yeah, yeah. 
It's very eighties in the you know story. Okay. But that's the thing, right? Like, I love those types of stories. I love movies like Lost in Translation. And, um, and I've, when I was in college, I wanted to make those types of films. But now mm-hmm. it's like, if I try to, you know, they've got to be short films. Like, no one wants to see a feature length version of that anymore, I feel, unless, you know, unless you're already a fan of the genre or the style or, or something like that. You feel like you can't be like, like Scorsese? And just you feel like it can't be like Scorsese and just have like a really like the Irishman like just make a really long film and I don't know <laughs> yeah I have you seen the Netflix Irishman to, uh, yeah I've seen it yeah I can't get Netflix to finance like a <laughs> feature length dream movie <laughs> my no but maybe one day the maybe who knows well, that's the thing right that's a streamer right that's, yeah yeah that's a good point. That makes me feel weird. Honestly, like big movies going to streaming just makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like this whole like, like I get for the pandemic why things happen, but I'm like, why, why did we keep it this way? Like, can we not just go back to the movies, yeah. y'all? Like, yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. I will sit there and watch Avatar The Way of Water in 3D. I've seen it three times already. We're going to go see it a fourth time. Like, I love those big movies, but, but. I do like seeing an A24 film in theaters, you mm-hmm. know, like there's something about it just seeing it's just movie going in general. Like there's something about just seeing it on the big screen, even if it's not an action heavy movie. Like Agreed. I want to see Tokyo, you know, shot this way. Lost in chance. I want to see that on the big screen. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see those shots of Charlotte on the windowsill overlooking the vast skyline on a big screen. That's just as important to me as, you know, uh, Navi swimming through water, you know. I agree. I, I mean, I love going to the movie theater. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. We're yeah. planning on seeing Titanic uh, when it re releases in the theater. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that would be <laughs> <Me> awesome. <laughs> well, I've never seen it, and I have to see it on the big screen. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I give Nikki a hard time about yeah. that. <laughs> You've never seen Titanic? No. Well, at least your first time will be on the big screen. Yeah, you don't get that chance a lot. Mm-mm. Yeah, the last time it was on the big screen, I think, was twenty twelve, mm-hmm. hundred year anniversary. But I'm, I'm, ex- I want to hear your. I can't wait for that podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm excited. <laughs> but oh man! Um, but while I have you here, we were talking about you know the state of the film industry in general and. And I, you know, we haven't really caught up because we went to college together mm-hmm. and, you know, you were a videographer, a director and a photographer. Do you, you still do those things, right? Please say <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Um, there's just a long story behind it all because I tried to avoid it after college. You know, I did the nine to five thing. I sat at the desk for eight years and, you know, did all that stuff. And now I'm fully back on doing photography and videography full-time um but yeah like we met uh i don't think you and i ever worked together as like me i don't think i've ever directed no you. i think the, i think um i was a cinematographer on a short film that a friend of ours did um yeah that to was, me, you were the director. In my mind, you were the director. But yes, you're technically no, right. No, no. She, she, was, she was fantastic. She was. She, she was. was. She was. Um, I think just because we hung out in similar circles, I like looked to you as this person where I was like, you create such a 
an environment, you know? I appreciate that. Are you still acting? Uh, sort of, kind of. I fell down the rabbit hole of instead of a nine to five, I was like, let me book commercials. So I did that. Wow. Oh, wow. And then I moved back home to the Outer Banks about a year and a half ago. And, you know, I started this podcast and I'm just... Well, I love the podcast and we should definitely collab if you still have yeah. the acting bug. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, I shot a short film. Uh, it's 2023. I shot it in 2021 fall, around the fall. And um, uh, again, heavily influenced by Sofia Coppola. There's a lot of quiet moments of the character, like just wondering what they're doing and all this type of stuff. But uh submitted that to a few film festivals and it got in and, you know, so Ooh, yeah, nice. I'm still doing it. I'm Yay. still doing it. <laughs> the state of cinema, has that affected your work at all or not? Maybe for the best. I don't know. How, how has it affected you? So I'm still being stubborn about it. Like the last few short films I've done. I always run my scripts through other people and I'm like, Hey, do you like this? Do I need to rewrite it? Whatever. Um, and I have one friend in particular who, um, she's great. She's an awesome writer and she always throws a huge wrench in and she'll be like, what if we added a sci-fi element? <laughs> what if it's an Android doing this? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not what I want to do. <laughs> um, but, but she's really creative. And so, Yes, it has affected it because I recognize that, you know, to get into more film festivals, it's probably something that I should start doing more is sort of blending some, you know, what we talked about, like blending interesting hooks in to, to get people in. Um, but I, I guess I'm, that's how influenced I am by Coppola is like, I'm putting my foot down. I'm like, I will ride this train for as long as I can <laughs> and just try to make it as much of an actor's thing as possible. Like, I'm not going to try to put myself in it. You know what I mean? Like, my take on trying to get noticed like let me try to put sci-fi stuff in here let me try to put horror stuff in here when it doesn't need it you know i'm not trying to do that just yet oh. yes it is affecting <laughs> well things always flip too like yeah. that might not always be the forever mold like they could see your work like sophia coppola and mm -hmm. you know and just vibe with the authenticity of it which is that's what i love right. about her I think that's it. That's all I'm trying to do is just be as authentic as possible. I mean, the, the short film that I did, that was the compromise of this short film. I was like, I'm not going to do robots. I'm not going to do anything like that. But it does have something to do with technology and it's, it has something to do with disconnection. So it's, it's about this, um, this woman who uh, turns to, uh, dating apps to try to find someone and, and she goes on the whole short film takes place over the course of a day and it's her on this virtual date with, with a guy and she's just on FaceTime with him the entire day. Um, they go to a restaurant mm -hmm. together, they check out her city together, but it's all over the phone. And, um, there's this thing that happens towards the end of the date that kind of brings her back, you know, opens, opens, opens her back up a little bit and makes her realize that like she's, probably more disconnected now than she was at the start Ooh, wow i Dang, like that's that. not the turn i thought it would take <laughs> huh. what's that i said that's not what i like the turn i thought it would take oh that's so interesting <laughs> where did you think it was gonna go i don't know like i guess something positive that's so interesting though like more disconnected that's the way i wish her ended 
<laughs> right? Like it kind of ends on a happy note. Like he, who does he end up with? Amy Adams. At the yeah. End? And no, he yeah. probably more realistic happiness. Oh. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll. I wanted to send it, but I, I didn't want to. <laughs> we had our topic. <laughs> Um, I'll send it to you all uh, after this, though. If you guys, yay! I would love it. to watch. Of course. Okay. <laughs> um, anything else? And then, uh, well, um, hmm, I'm sure something will pop up about the movie. I just, I really enjoyed rewatching it. Like, it's something that I can always go back and rewatch. Um. And I love taking time now between viewings. Like it's been three years since I've watched it at this point. So it's like, it's fun to go back, be a little bit older and still feel the same way about it. Still feel that it's timeless. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's nice. Like when you can rewatch a movie and just, I don't know. I feel like this movie is like sort of a comfort movie. I don't know. It's weird. And in different times in my life, I get like a different feeling. Like there were times where I've felt the same kind of isolation and loneliness that this film portrays but watching it now i don't i don't feel it like i'm not in it so much but i can still have like some takeaways you know like i don't know and i just like that it is kind of just that moment and you just you can rewatch it and it's not anything too serious or it's just like you can still empathize with it and then take the moments that are joyful like the party scene and like kind of be in that for a while yeah. but if you're feeling down you know, you can go and see the moments leading up to Charlotte meeting Bob where she's alone in her hotel and her friends aren't connecting with her the way she needs them to be. You know, there's there like, yeah, exactly. Definitely. There are pieces throughout that you can glean from it whenever, you know, you're feeling something. I found myself relaxed. laughing more this time around. Like there's like so many yeah. little moments, like like the ripping of the stockings. The There's a scene where he like takes her to the hospital mm. and he's like in the waiting room. And someone's trying to speak yes. Japanese to him and he doesn't understand. And then there's two ladies in the background and they're like losing it. They're laughing so hard because he has no idea like what this person's saying to him. But it's like, I don't know if those are the actors just like losing it on set. Just trying because the way they're laughing looks really real. And it looks like one of those moments where, you know, you have to be serious and hold it in yeah. and then it just explodes. So and so I was like, when you see people laugh that hard, it kind of makes you also laugh. And so I was just finding a lot more humor this time around. I don't know. For sure. I mean, the I love the juxtaposition, too, of, like, when you think of Japanese, like, the Japanese, you think of this front of being, like, like the business, the, you know, really proper. And so the, mm-hmm. these two ladies cracking up is always hilarious to me. Or, like, even yeah. Bob being too tall for everything. Yeah. It's just that that it's comedy endearing. in that, yeah. And I think that's the uh, that's the balance that I was talking about, right? Like when you had asked if if, if the uh, the R for L thing is a little too much. There's so much in the movie that offsets it, like Bob being too tall for everything, everything being sort of an inconvenience for him. The shave, you know, the 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 razor yeah. being too small, um, and then the the old Japanese woman messing with him at the hospital and the two ladies laughing at him and he knows they're laughing at him, mm-hmm. you know, and he's kind of accepting. He's like, yeah, I know. I sound like an idiot. You know, I feel like that's the balance. You know, there, there are a lot of examples of that balance where I don't think it, I think it toes the line just, just right. Yeah. Even, um, I forget what they're called, but the temples 
Um, mm-hmm. When Sh- Charlotte first goes to them and calls her friend, is like, I can't connect. And then later on, she goes back mm-hmm. and she feels like very different. And, you know. Yes. There's a respect there that was lacking the first time that she has. So, yeah, there are moments where they, at least Charlotte does. I don't know that Bob yeah. <laughs> finds that level of respect, but Charlotte certainly does. You know, she she feels it a lot more. Uh, by the end and god that sequence is so beautiful so beautiful <laughs> yeah i just love this movie so much yeah, yeah. Well, it's also comforting it's actually comforting to me watching this mm-hmm. film because it's like especially if you know we as the audience are kind of charlotte um to be like oh she's having this time where she feels really lost and to mm-hmm. see this as like a memory in time and then to see mm-hmm. like, oh, she's going to go off and have different memories, just like you. You know, you're going to feel yeah. lost. Mm-hmm. No one's going to understand you. You're not going to connect right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're going to say goodbye to Bob and you're going to divorce your douchey husband. And <laughs> and then you're going to become a successful auteur and end up marrying the lead singer of Phoenix. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and you know, I didn't feel that, um, it's not that I didn't feel, but I, I went to the Philippines recently, uh, and when I landed in Manila, um, I was like, I kind of had a Charlotte and Bob moment where I was like, I was taken aback by everything, obviously, but I wasn't connecting, Mm -hmm. you know, and I am Filipino, but so it was very strange to me because I'm sitting there going, I don't, I feel like I should be feeling more like this is so weird. Um, and then I went to my mother's, uh, province where, you know, where she grew up and that's when it clicked. You know, I had that, that moment that Charlotte has at the end of the temple, you know, where I was like, I get it. Like, I feel it now. Like this is, you know, and it could be the connection to my mother or whatever it is, but like that, you know, you're always going to feel lost whenever you're traveling somewhere and it could be somewhere foreign, like Tokyo or the Philippines, or it could even be New York. Yeah, it could um, just be a different city. Like, yeah, yeah, just a different city. But um, the second time you go back, or maybe towards the end of that first trip, you're gonna find something that that you latch onto that makes you want to go back, like grounds you in a yeah. way, yeah. like a place you kind of mm-hmm. like. I feel like in this movie, yeah. it's the bar for the two of them. Yeah. Like they always yeah. come back to that bar, and I think in real life that's called the New York Grill at the Park mm-hmm. Hyatt. So the oh, two Americans go to the yeah, right, right. <laughs> And and not just the not just the bar, but each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're interpreting what he says to her at the end as like, let's meet back here in you know a few years, like they're the you know they're the uh, the thing that kind of grounds the whole trip for them is each other, and the the environment just helps kind of set that for the rest of the for the rest of their uh, trip. Definitely. I, don't know, I could yeah. I could yeah. no that makes sense I, no. <laughs> reading a lot into it but I, I love this movie so much like how could you not <laughs> that's the biggest compliment though I think mm-hmm. I think that's really beautiful that Sofia Coppola has created this work and we can yeah. talk about it like this and you know we're not you know doing like a screen rant on it right mm-hmm. we're it's like you can understand this film, but it's not like a conspiracy theory kind of right. talk. It's, yes, there's there's enough ambiguity to it that you can really just 
put whatever spin you want on it. And you know, as you were saying, Brie, like it can work on whatever you're feeling at the time, whether it's you just need to lighten up and experience some comedy or you need to, you know, get something off your chest because you're feeling, you know, sad about something. Like there's there's a little bit of everything. Yeah. It has it all, it just has- like the Park Hyatt Tokyo. Basically. I want to go there, but it's so expensive to stay there. <laughs> I know. I was looking up prices online during this viewing, and I was like, well, okay. <laughs> Just watch the movie again. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it looks like a fun time, so. Yeah, it looks like, you know, it's a relaxing time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Have you ever been to Tokyo? I have not. No. I want to get some, like, real ramen there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other there are other foods. Yeah. <laughs> Not I know. I know, but like, I just love ramen, and I want like real ramen. You know what I mean? You want real? Yeah. You want the real deal? You want to go to like this, you know, place off the street? You know? Yeah. Like, super fancy. Yeah. Have you been? No. Hopefully for the honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. We'll see. It just opened back up, but we'll see. That's. Or Japan crazy. just opened back up, but yeah. In my mind, COVID times are far behind us, but I do realize yeah. places are still opening up. Still opening up, yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to. Um, my original plan was to stay at that hotel, but yeah, after looking at the price, I'm like, oh, there are other places. <laughs> Maybe just go to the bar there. Yeah, you there could you still go to the yeah. bar. That might be good yeah. enough. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I already plugged my short <laughs> film and I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, plugging. Let's see. Yeah, the short film is done with the festival circuit. So now I'm just trying to find a way to get it out there. But you all will get a free link to it. So don't worry about Ooh. that. <laughs> As a thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, uh, I am writing the next few short films so i'll keep you in mind nikki okay <laughs> if you're <Thank> interested um <laughs> uh, yeah what, what's going on with y'all what's what's the plan for the rest of the year Ooh, i feel like well, you guys are pretty consistent yeah we've point. really been trying to be yeah yeah it's i have my own podcast with a friend of mine and it's it's it can be tricky sometimes to just coordinate times i mean he's a doctor so that's that's another mm-hmm. thing but um but yeah like i, I really love with what you all have done with this it's great thank you thank you so wait what is you're doing video format now we are you're on youtube so that's a new thing yeah yeah so you have a podcast too yeah tell us about that Mm -hmm. yeah it's called conscious rewind um it's basically me going over movies (laughs) with lots of translation no we talk about um uh what do we talk about conscious rewind so it's a lot of what has kind of influenced our preferences over the years so yeah movies video games books uh music um we're in season two right now i think we have two episodes in already we only do five episodes a season or at least that's the goal um but they're long format um it's my best friend from high school uh he's a doctor he's uh he studied psychiatry psychology all that stuff so it's a, it's a lot of him just picking picking my brain <laughs> and being like oh so you're really just thinking this oh and this that's funny that, that you know um sometimes we'll do like um 
first date questions with each other. <laughs> uh, you know, just to keep it fun. But yeah, their own little their own little podcast. Awesome. We'll check it out. Yeah. Also, that it's not as it's not as cool as this. Nah. <laughs> not as consistent as this. <laughs> also, that piece that you wrote about your trip to the Philippines is very good. So I suggest everyone read that. Oh, you did read that. I did. <laughs> Thank you. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, should I keep writing? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful piece. But thank you. But yeah, okay. thank you. Because I do like, I do te- tech stuff a lot of the time. So I was like, maybe I should just put this out there. I don't know. Those were like fresh thoughts, right? You know, right after coming back. So that's great. But yeah. Well, thank you so much, yeah. RJ. Yeah, thanks for being thank on you, our Nikki, pod. Thank you, Bree. Thank you. Yeah, this was so much fun. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk movies. Uh, you know, it, I, am I? I'm not. The, I'm not the first guest, am I? I don't think I am. No, um, you're no, the yeah. second guest. Second guest, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And hopefully well, you can great. come back on. Yeah, we'd love to have you back yeah. sometime. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to. Maybe for the Titanic episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wax poetic about Titanic. So good. <laughs> I love awesome. that movie. <laughs> oh well, thank you again. Yeah, no, thank you again for having me and um, best of luck on the pod. And um, yeah, if you all need anything, if you need a write-up or review, I'll do it. <laughs> Just let me know. For sure. Um, yeah, and I will obviously plug the podcast. Thank you so much, RJ. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both. Well, thank you. Bye. 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 I'd like to thank the Academy from the bottom of my heart.